Well, thank you, uh, Pastor Tark, for being with us and for sharing so openly um, over uh, the last few sessions. Um, not everyone may know everything about you, so why don't you just quickly give us um, a brief uh, story, you know, your story and uh, how you've landed into ministry and what God has been doing through you and through the ministry. So my parents are from India in the Gujarat state, which is on the west, and they were among the first to have the courage by boat to leave uh, India and come to New Zealand. Um, and so I was born in New Zealand, six children, and I was the last uh, of the six. And uh, so we grew up in, in, in town, in, in, uh, as I said this morning, in a fruit shop. I went to uh, university, Auckland University, and I did two degrees there. I did a law degree and a counsellor degree. And uh, the thing that got me to salvation was my life was really going pretty well, social life, played sports, uh, academically, you know, was right at my, just about to graduate, and then suddenly dawned in me that something was missing. I thought, I've got all this, the world is at my feet, why do I still feel empty? And that started my search, you know, I went, looked at the Hare Krishnas, I looked at Christian science, I looked at different other religions, and finally there's a guy with a big black Bible that was just Bible bashed me like crazy in the Auckland University, and he was just he was one of those guys that just hit you over the head with the Bible, but I needed to be hit over the head, and uh, I, I finally surrendered my life to Christ uh, when I was about 21, and the thing, the revelation I got was that was that I had found the truth. Some people find the love of God, some people find forgiveness, some feel, you know, all different things, but I knew I'd found the truth, and something inside me just said, Tark, the smartest thing you can do for the rest of your life is give this new faith everything you have got. Mm. And it's kind of like something I had right from the very beginning, and I don't think I've ever actually lost that. And um, so then I went to, um, after that, went to, uh, uh, began to sense a call of God after a few years, a real call to missions in particular, and to seeing people get saved. Went to Bible college, and then went to, you know, went to the Philippines, did three years in the Philippines, and you've heard the story about that last night. And it's a long story, there's a whole lot more to that story actually, but won't go into that. And then uh, got back, and when I got back to New Zealand, we were ready to go back to the Philippines. Wow. Insane. If we'd gone back, I would, we wouldn't be here today because we would have just been destroyed. Uh, but fortunately, God intervened and we're offered an associate position um, on another church. We did that for a number of years. And then an opportunity came to where we are now, uh, Church Unlimited. Um, we've been there for, for decades now. And the thing that uh, really surprised me is I always thought I was a full-time missionary for life. So my call to mission was probably 10, 20 times stronger than being a pastor. So what I now do is God said, yeah, look, you heard me right. You're called to the nations, but I want you to raise up a church for the nations. So we have about 60 cultures in our church. Danny's been there and I travel overseas, you know, speaking conferences. Just been in Egypt recently, a couple of weeks ago, I was up in Egypt, which is great to go to India, Pakistan, Vietnam, all over the place. So yeah, it's a very brief story of uh, how I got there. Got married along the way. Um, so I have one wife. Oh, that's good. Yeah, just one. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> Just to make the records clear, one daughter and two grandchildren. Well, we'll have to get you to Italy at some stage. Uh, Italy. Yeah, in the name of Jesus. Yeah. Eat some cannoli. Um, uh, I, I know that uh, you're a man of prayer and fasting. There's, there's no question about all of that. Um, give us a bit of an idea as to your daily rituals of prayer or what you do in the mornings, your habits that you've developed in your life, uh, especially around, around prayer. How, how's that a reality in your life? 
Okay. That's a big question. We could spend the rest of the time on that one alone. But <laughs> anyway, look, I've uh, from very a couple of things I want to say. Um, early on in my Christian life, you know, I just pray, you know, 10 minutes here and then read the Bible for a while. And I just found the Bible really hard to read. I just, it was just tough going in those early years. I thought, man, I just don't get much out of it. So I just remember praying one day and I said, God, um, I said, would you give me a love, give me a love for your word? And God said, okay, you've got it. I said, really? Yeah. From that day, I had it. A moment. You're talking about a moment. It, God can do that for you, folks. <laughs> it's, you don't have to go to Bible college and all the rest of it. And it's never. And now these days, when I pray for people to have for a love for the Bible, not everybody, but God gives it to them. People come back. Hey, since you prayed for me, anyway. So I, my 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 whole discipline is in the mornings. I always start uh, my routine is I, I get up, have a bit of breakfast, and then I'm I locked into prayer. And uh, uh, every day it's the same. I, I pray, pray for few hours, I won't go into all the details, uh, put a few hours into prayer there. And so, so what time are you up in the mornings? Uh, do I have to reveal that to you? <laughs> I, I used to get up about six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> it's a bit later than that now. Okay, I'll, oh, that's all right it then. It's not eight o'clock, by the way. No, that's no, good. No. But I, I do, I just, I just spend um, uh, a few hours in prayer then, and then uh, later on during the day, I get stuck into the Word of God for a, a good period of time as well. So I do. This got to remember. This has developed over decades. I didn't start there. I started at five. The, what I understand is we have spiritual muscles. So you have a prayer muscle, and you can grow that muscle. You can grow it from ten minutes to fifteen minutes to half an hour. That's what I did to forty-five minutes to an hour to an hour and fifteen. And you can just keep going. You you can stretch that muscle as much as you want. Don't you ever ever think that you don't have a prayer muscle. So that's what I do with that. Then later in the day, usually in the evenings, that's my time in the Word of God. Once I get home from work, have dinner, uh, watch a bit of news, I then get into the Word of God. And you know, I spend a good season just spending time getting and receiving from the Word of God. So that's my prayer life. That's pretty much on a daily basis, um, and it's become really a big thing in my life now. So even if I go on holiday, that doesn't change. I still do it. So I go hold those friends and I just say, look, I can't join you in the mornings because I'm, I'm with God. And my holidays are more about God than the holiday because I think if I give God the dime, the holiday is going to be better than it could ever be. And I'll be more refreshed than ever. But look, I've got into this over years, so I don't want you to feel that. Don't try and do what I'm doing, all right? You'll collapse, all right? Just, just start with five minutes or ten minutes, whatever you want to do. And then... Uh, I know you all want to hear about fasting. Tell me who wants to hear about fasting. Yeah, so for 30 years at Church Unlimited, one day a week we've fasted. Uh, every Thursday we fast during the morning, during the whole day, and then we have a prayer meeting at night. Uh, every couple of months, month, every two months, we do a three-day fast. Every, so every week as a church? What's that? The, the Thursday fast. Yeah, yeah. yeah as yeah. a church, we all yeah. Well, they don't all do it, obviously. Yeah, 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 you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. There's forms of fasting, you know. Yeah, some people just fast... And he, they just go to fast foods. Cannolis, they fast yeah, cannolis, yeah. that's all. There's a lot of, yeah, yeah there's, there's very forms of fasting. We, we try and do it the real way. So that's every Thursday. We do three-day fast. Uh, we do 10-day fast. Uh, occasionally do 21-day fast. Not very often. Uh, I've never managed to get to the 40-day fast, so I feel a bit bad about that. But, you know, just 21 is long enough for me. And we, we do that. So we've done this over three. West Church Unlimited is built on prayer and fasting. Wow. That would be the bottom line. I think it's why God's been able to do what he's able to do. I think it's really helped us a lot. And I think, the, I think we need to restore these disciplines to the body of Christ all around. And, you know, everyone's different. 
You know, we're, we're never legalistic about it, by the way. Even my staff, I don't, I don't say you've got to fast that day. All I do say is if you have lunch on Thursday, please don't have it in the lunchroom for everybody to see. You know, go and do it secretly somewhere. So that's my prayer life. That's my fasting life. It's beautiful. Um, I just want to move on a little bit. Uh, the last few years, obviously, have been quite challenging uh, with COVID and uh, uh, everything that's been happening in our society and uh, and even the church, it's affected the church quite deeply and caused some some division. I, I guess there's extreme views on, on both sides. What do you think is taking place in the world at the moment? Like, How, how do you interpret um, what is happening uh, with COVID and what's happening in the world right now? Yeah, look, I, I really think that uh, things are heating up across the world and I just don't think things are going to get better. I think it's going to get increasingly challenging uh, with COVID, whether COVID, how long COVID keeps going, what's going to come after COVID, what challenge, you know, you've got Ukraine, you've got all the stuff, you've got the global warming, all the stuff that's taking place. So things are getting getting worse. And so, but for me, the, the worst thing about COVID for me is the effect it's had on the church. It's really been a massive blow to the church around the globe and uh, like even here for us in Auckland we were shut down more than most countries so we're struggling to get all our people back uh, we're probably maybe somewhere 65 to 70 percent maybe on a good Sunday that we've managed to get back which for us means that there's there's masses of numbers of people actually missing and what what, what bothers me is people have gone online people have not got to church and so people with really strong faith it's okay they can fight their way through it and get it. But I got my staff. I said, we got to, guys, we've got to pray like crazy that people don't drift away from God. They don't become lukewarm. They don't lose their faith. And my concern is, this, is there has been a spiritual decline, especially those who are on the fringes. Their faith is weaker than it was. And some, I'm afraid, may have lost their faith altogether. And we may not even see them come back. In the so it's been a massive work i reckon of the enemy particularly targeted against the church the church wasn't booming anyway it wasn't make changing the nation anyway and now to have this hit come against us wow it's been it's been a, a real challenge one of the things we've found very hard at, in our church there is to get our volunteers back you know that people we right now we're a sizable church last time we did a count i, I said ask all the departments how many how many volunteers are we short 197 volunteers missing and so it's it's a real chance of people's heart and hunger for god their passion to serve has dipped away i mean it's just fantastic to see you all here through this conference i mean i was here three years ago and it's just fantastic you know well done to uh, because there's obviously a level of fire and fervor there so that's really my biggest concern for the church because the church needs to be strong you know the church is the hope of the world we're the hope of the city, we're the hope of the community, we're the hope of families, we're the hope of everything. You know, and if the church gets knocked around, that's, that's the biggest blow the enemy can, can hit us with. So I just hope that for us it's a wake-up call and that we realize that, look, the enemy is out there uh, trying to stop things and we've we got to pick up our game. That's what we've got to pray. I'm actually now fasting more because I'm worried about the condition of things. And I just think that fasting is a way that you can really get God to move powerfully in situations. So that comes, I'll probably mention it a little bit tomorrow, but that comes out of, you know, I think it's time for a bit of desperation. Just to get a bit desperate about things. You know, it's just too easy to just, well, it is what it is. You know, this is how it is. This is how it's going. No! 
you know, you have global pro, pro, you have global warming around the world. Okay, so what happens? There's people all over the place. They're, they're, run, they're running protests. They're protesting about what's happening in the in, in the world, what's happening with global. Or, or, so the world is up there protesting. Well, I don't care about global warming so much. I care about the church and what's happening in the church. And I protest. <laughs> you know, I mean, I protest at what is happening at the church. I say that enough is enough. We've got to change, the, we got to change the, what's going on here and, and make a difference. And I think there's got to become some holy indignation within us so we get desperate enough and say, we are going to make a difference. We're going to stand up and fight. We're not going to just roll over and let the enemy have his way in the church. Sorry to get a bit excited about that. But someone's got to protest. I want everyone to say, I protest. Sorry about that. No, that's quite okay. <laughs> and and I, think, I think with the challenges come some opportunities and, and those opportunities are some of the things that you're actually saying. It's the church waking up. It's the church beginning to stand up and it's kind of a sifting process that's been happening. And I think um, it's God preparing us for the next stage of what he wants to do through the church. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also part of that is convincing every individual in your church that they have a role to play. You know, just don't leave it to a few leaders and a few volunteers. Every single one of us has a significant role. This we're talking about legacy this morning. We can all do our part to, to bring the church alive. I think that's an opportunity that if we see, if we, one of the good things that may come out of COVID, if we get desperate enough to actually do something. Because we didn't really want the church just to keep going as it was. Because no, that wasn't getting the job done. No, it was just, yeah. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. it's good. I want to move on. I can see the clock ticking over and you're getting excited too. So it's, we've just got to manage <laughs> that. We've just got to manage your excitement. I've just got to keep them awake. <laughs> I saw four people asleep at the back there. That's why I stood up. And I was actually protesting at those that were asleep. Yeah, man, in Jesus' name. <laughs> As pastors and leaders, um, we, we enter into ministry, kind of changing subject. We enter into ministry because we want to be effective and successful. When, when you think about the word successful, um, how do we actually define that in the context of ministry? We have an understanding of what the world thinks and even kind of we've been influenced as a church by that def definition of success. How do we define real success in the context of ministry? The answer uh, to that actually is very simple. Mm. And for me, it's very simple. Be faithful to what God has called you to do. Whatever that is. You know, and if that's big, where it's small, if it's in full-time service, if it's out in the business world, it doesn't matter. Just find out what has God called you. Don't worry about what God's called everyone else to do. Don't worry about the church down the road. Don't worry about the business up the road. Doesn't worry about the other employee. What has God called you to do? I wake up every morning and I only have one thought in my mind. I've got to fulfill the plan of God for my life. God, whatever you've asked me, I want to stand before God and I want to hear well done, good and faithful servant. So if we can put all that other stuff out of the way, because I think the enemy will want to confuse us mm. and we see someone else doing this, you know, and so we want to copy what they are doing. Friends, please do not ever copy what anyone else is doing. Don't copy what any other church is doing. You're not called to be a copy. You're called to be an original. And when you are your original, being your original is integrity. That's integrity because you're not a fake. You're not an image. You're not something else. You are who you are. Your voice is what it is. Your emotions are what they are. Your style is what God wants it to be. He created you uniquely. There are no two fingerprints the same, no two snowflakes the same. Be who you are. That is success. Yep. Do what God has called you to do. If it's big, if it's small, it doesn't matter. 
You know, we just got to get past uh, this whole thing of success. Look, I read, I read Tozer. You want to get into Tozer? He, he said, he said, God help us to never judge a church by the by the size of the attendance, by the quality of the building, and the budget. Mm. And I thought, oh my goodness, just because a church is big doesn't mean it's better than a church of fifty people, fifty thousand. Do, do you want? I got, I got to sit down. I got to say, do. You, <laughs> Do you, <laughs> do, you, do you honestly think that God, who threw billions of galaxies into place, looks at a church of 5,000 and goes, wow, how did they do that? Come on, give me a break. Church of 50, church of 5,000, 50,000. I think when God looks down, they're all a little speck and they'll all look the same to them. Let's get rid of this, uh, this image of what success. This is worldly success, friends. It's not godly success. We want the success that God has. In fact, I know of a preacher, a, a prophet. He went to a church, and, uh, and a big church, and, the, and uh, he, he said, the pastor said to him, he's going to the platform. He said, I've got 7,000 members in this church. This prophet, genuine prophet of God, got in the pulpit, and the Holy Spirit whispered in his ear, yes, and I have 700 disciples in this church. It wasn't 7,000. It was just seven. It's not the size of the church, folks. It's, that's such a, my wife is fantastic. She just calls us, she says, you're just so worldly. You know, you're just competing with one another. You're wanting to be bigger than the church. She's, you know, she's really good, keeps me humble. You know, I said to her on a Sunday, I said, what was the crowd like? If I'm like, yeah, I'll say, what was the crowd like? She said, I haven't got a clue. I said, was there anyone in the balcony? She said, I didn't look. I think, I live and die by that stuff. You don't even care. <laughs> She's good for me, you know? So, you know, as the years have gone by, I've slowly began to really, and you know, I've had ego over the years to really deal with a lot of this stuff. You know, the thing, thing of size of church, this is my favorite say, say, uh, saying lately, is that knowing, you know, the comparing size of it, that ship has sailed. God is not interested in that anymore. Get it off your agenda. Get it off your mindset and just get on with what God is doing because I reckon the reward of someone faithful with 50 people is going to be greater than the person who is not so faithful with 5,000 people. And quite frankly, while I'm on this, it is, it is you, you have to be far more faithful to prepare a strong, powerful message for 50 people yeah, than for 5,000 exactly. people. Exactly. Who's not going to work hard for 5,000? But the man who's faithful with 50 or 20 or t whatever it might be, to me, that's where the rewards are going to come. Yeah. And my last thought on this is what the, the verse that scares me most is the first shall be last and the last shall be first. God, please don't make me last. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Comparison, competing, yep. compare all that sort of stuff, copying. The three C's. Just deal with them. Copy, comparison, competing, comparing. It's a cancer mm -hmm. in the body of Christ yep. that needs to be cut out yep. and removed because God is done with that oh, stuff. Yeah. Sorry, that's it. No, some, some good thoughts there. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, I'm a preacher. Ul ultimately, success is about obedience Absolutely, to what God yeah. wants us to do. True. Um, and also about sensing God's presence amongst us and God doing his work through us. And I, I think, think they're the things. And that's yeah. irrespective yeah. of size. Because yeah. sometimes even small churches can start to become proud and it's we're true. exclusive yeah. and we, we, we're not like everybody else. The remnant. And that's the same spirit as the other one. Yeah. So ultimately, we have to measure effectiveness by some of the things that you're saying. And add to that, obviously. 
quickly is your Christ likeness. Yeah. How much are you like Christ? You know, so God with a small church, more like Jesus. Well, then a big church can be the other way around as well. Exactly. And also intimacy with God. You know, how, how, how much do you really know and walk with God? One of the biggest challenges I think is that we're going to stand before God, and uh, we've climbed a mountain. And he's going to say, "Sorry, wrong mountain." <laughs> Just make sure you climb in the right mountain. Wonderful talk. Um, just, just moving along, um, if you were, or if we had a, a, a young pastor who was about to start his ministry yeah. and uh, uh, full of excitement and, and, and vision for the future, what kind of advice would you, would you, would you give that young man in relation? What, what are some of the things that you would say to him, her, as they were beginning, yeah. Yeah. beginning this journey? I'd say, number one, make sure you're called. Make sure that you know that this is what God is asking you to do because you don't want to quit after five years or ten years because it will get tough, it will get challenging, it will be difficult, the enemy will come against you. You've got to know that you are called by God. If you know you're called, you can fight through anything because you're doing what God's asked you to do. You're not doing what your parents have asked you to do, what your friends have asked you to do. You're not thinking some ambition. So you, you've got to know that you are called by God. The second thing I'd say to any young pastor getting, getting on the road, you know, Get your time with God, developing your relationship with him. Get that sorted out. Because if you don't sort out your relationship with God and get close to God, you are serving out of the flesh. You're serving out of ambition. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak are spirit and they are life. So we've got to get you good. And, and uh, the sad thing that I find in the church today is there's too many people, not just young ones, but old ones, they've never really sorted this thing out of this intimacy with God, of worship, of getting close to God. What are you ministering out of? All you're ministering out of is who you are. People don't want you. They want God. They want God. So you've got to get God in you. That's the second thing that I'd say to them. Third thing I'd say to those people is I'd say get yourself a good mentor. Get them now, right now, somewhere, and get the right mentor. Ask God, who is it, someone who's been on the road for a while, who can, who can guide you, give you wisdom, be honest with that mentor, you know, be honest with your mistakes, honest with your failings, honest with your temptations. Do all that sort of stuff. Have a good mentor. But also, you know, we, we mentioned recently is develop relationships of strength. So have some good people around you that are going to help you and guide you in your ministry and in your walk with God. You've got to listen to the right people. And you've got to go to the, you know, and all it's not, and I'd say to them, you know, please, please just don't listen to any voice. Please just don't listen to any preacher. Please just don't go to any conference. Go to the right conference. Look, one wrong message can send you down the wrong track. You can't, you can't, some, you know, so you need to get, get all of those things are quite basic, but they're the kind of thing. Then, of course, I'd warn them and say, look, it is going to get tough. There are going to be challenges, but if you stay close to God, he'll help you get through all the challenges. You know, and you're going to have to make some sacrifices, by the way. Uh, it's not going to fall on a plate for you. You're going to have to make, you know, be willing to say, and I'd say, look, are you prepared to do that? Are you prepared to Go without some things for the sake of the call of God. And, uh, you know, maybe you won't drive the same car as a person down the road or, or your friends or whatever. But, however, I must say, at the end of the day, God looks after his own. You know, a lot of my friends are, are, are doctors and lawyers and all that sort of stuff. But I, God's looked after me just as much as he looked after them. Because you'll never, you'll never miss out by giving God your very best. So there's just a few of the 
very basic things that I might say. It's, uh, it's powerful. Uh, I think what you said about uh, the right relationships is, 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 a, is a massive one. Um, the Bible says, you know, we have many teachers but few fathers. And, and the reality is with, with, with the internet now, we've got so much information available to us, but it's the fathers that we need, the people that are going to actually speak yeah, into our One lives. wrong voice can yeah. take you completely off the trail. Yep. Even as a minister, you yep. hear one wrong, you get, you get one wrong word of advice. It can just take you down the wrong road. It's so I can't stress enough that you got to have the right people around you. And I reckon if you have the right people around you, you can get through anything, yeah, and you can be make, you know you can be a success. So you need people who understand. Have people around you who understand what success is. If you have the wrong people around you about what success, this going to leave you down the wrong tra track as well. So you've got to have godly, good people to ask for that. I talked about the other day, develop, intentionally develop relationships of strength. Mm. Means godly relationships, people yeah. who can stand with you. When, 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 you know, if the chips are down and I really need some ma ma you know, spiritual power to get me through a difficult situation, I can ring Danny. Mm. And Danny's not going to fall over and think, oh, man, this is too big for us, you know. Mm. <laughs> you know, leave the ministry and try something out. No, you need people who've got must, spiritual muscle so they can give you the strength you need, and whether you're in ministry or not, by the way, mm. they can help. There are people around that can get you through what you're facing, mm. but you've got to develop those relationships now. I think uh, one of the big things is our understanding that, that for the propensity for deception in us so if we understand that, doesn't matter how many years we've been in church, we can be deceived. And, and understanding that we put protections around us, it certainly helps us. Yeah, very, be, very be, easy to go down yeah, that track. Yeah, yeah great. Um, being in ministry 30, 40 plus years uh, is not something easy. What's, what's helped you stay faithful to God through those years? What's, what's helped you to stay uh, faithful to the call of God on your life and not be distracted by, you know, stuff that's happening around? You know? I, I think for me... I've, I've been blessed by God. I think I've always had this, this inner burning fire to pursue God with everything I've got and to serve him to the end of my days. It's almost like, for me, there's, there's no competition on that. Like, you know, people could offer me the world for this, that, or the other thing. It just, it just would not interest me. I mean, I, I think I'm just blessed in that area because I don't think everybody has that. Uh, also, I think another thing for me is that you know, as I said, I wake up in the morning, God, I've just got a, I think I've just got a very strong awareness that my, ultimately my life is whether I fulfill God's plan for me or not. And so if I just keep that focus on that and I just keep pursuing and going after that, it's almost like because that decision is made, you see, we're the result of the decisions we've made. So what your decisions are, you're going to live out because they're your convictions. You'll live out according to your decisions. So my decision, I'm going to stand before God, answer for my call, decision made, if something's not going to distract me from that, that's off the radar. I'm just not going to go down that track because I know where I want to go. I think the other thing that I think is deep in my heart, there's always a sense there's no quit in me. I, I, come, come hell or high water, I ain't going to quit. And you've got to make, you've got to make that decision. I challenge you right now, make that decision because you will live by your decision. When the pressure comes on, what decisions you've made is what's going to happen. So if you make that decision tonight, Danny made it, clearly. No matter what happens, it doesn't matter how bad it is, you are not going to quit. If you make that decision today, and look, the chances are you will never quit. You'll get through right to the end. I think the other thing that's obviously helped me through all this stuff is my, my prayer life. 
and my walk with God. You know, the people who know their God will be strong and do exploits. So when you know God, it gives you the strength to fight through a lot of stuff. It gives you the strength to beat temptation. I couldn't do it in myself, but me and God together, invincible. It's powerful. Invincible. It's powerful. Powerful. Uh, we were all challenged by your message last night. Uh, we opened up about some of the some of the challenges, um, personal challenges, and we thank you for that. Um, is there any other situation in your life, and a, a, a seemingly <coughs> difficult situation, um, or an apparent failure that, um, as you reflect back on it, um, you see all of the good things that have come out of it for you. You know how Paul, as, as all James speaks about, consider it pure joy. Mm. Are there any of those kind of experiences that maybe you can share uh, with, with us? Yeah, I think, um, uh, I think one of my challenges has of not... I, I don't think I've valued the people of God and those who serve in the church as much as I should have. And I think that I've, I've, I've expected over the years, as I've reflected on this, I've just expected, um, not, not, val- not appreciated so much. You know, so for an example would be like the sound guy gets it all wrong and I, I just get mad, you know. You know, you, you do know that when, the, when Satan fell out of heaven, he landed in the sound box, eh? you know that, eh? So no, no, I, you, so I'd, get, I'd get quite annoyed about it, you know, and I'd, I'd go and chat and say, hey, look, you guys, you really messed this up, you know. I'll just, let's call him Johnny. You know, and then three weeks later, I'd say, where's Johnny? Well, Johnny's gone to the church down the road because you weren't looking after Johnny properly. Mm-hmm. You know, so I just realized that valuing God's people and valuing those who serve is something that I didn't do well. And I didn't do it well with my staff as well. Mm-hmm. And so as a result of that, you know, because I was, my problem is my strength of working hard was a strength but also a weakness because weakness, I expected everyone to work as hard as I did. You know, and so when they didn't, <laughs> you know, when they said, well, I need to go here, there, or there, I said, well, what do you mean? Hold on a minute. Souls are perishing. <laughs> what do you mean you want a day off? You know, so, I'm exaggerating, but I believe in hard work, and I think there's a generation coming through that don't know how to work, and that's another problem again, which we won't go into tonight or today, all right, because it does take hard work, but I was unreasonable. And I lost people as a result of it. And I still feel bad today about it. So now what's happened is God's flipped the coin and he's made me a, like a father in the faith. It's like everything I wasn't. He's, it's almost like my weakness has now become my strength. Mm-hmm. And now I have real compassion on people. I still tell them to get to work. But um, <laughs> I just, there's just come this compassion and this appreciation of God's people and staff and all the rest of it. That's, that's probably one area. The other area that I was really bad, and just for the last one quickly, is I was so locked up in my own church, I didn't care about the body of Christ. So there were combined meetings here, there, and no, 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 I'm too busy. I was building my kingdom. And that was a real weakness in my life. And then, <laughs> I'll try and keep it real short. Then this guy rings him up and says, will you come and speak at this combined church's meeting because you're known for unity in the body? I thought, what? what? <laughs> I'm, I'm known for anti-unity in the body, actually. But anyway, it was a word from God. And I thought, oh, here's a reputation. I need to I just, something said to me, I'm prophesying over you through this man to become a champion for unity in the body. Since that time, I've become a champion 
and I travel all over New Zealand now, having combined churches meetings, and it's it's we have meetings, and the, the, we have the Presbyterians will come, the Roman Catholics turn up, the Brethren turn up, you know, the Assemblies of God turn up, you know, every, everything Baptist, they all come, and I, I lead them in prayer meetings and all that sort of stuff. So I've now got a label with even within our country to a measure as a champion for unity. My greatest weakness has now become my strength. And I'll tell you one thing, when I become a champion for unity in the body of Christ, it set me free. Do you know why it set me free? Because it's no longer about my kingdom. It's about the kingdom. You get into that, it changed your life forever. Just a couple of other questions, thank you. Just a couple of other quick questions. I guess as you look at the church at large, uh, which is not at the kingdom generally, but the church at large, what are some of the challenges that you see and what are some of the opportunities as we look into the next five years and ten years? Look, I'm going to preach on this tomorrow as well. <clears throat> but I think that the church, the, the thing that I like to see happen in the church now is I think, you know, the, the 1 Corinthians 4.20, the kingdom of God is not just words but power. We, we, when people come to church, they need to encounter God in some way. We need to see the presence of God. We need to see the power of God. We need to see signs, wonders, and miracles. We need to see... We, my, my passion is, God, I want a church that reflects you well. Mm. So when people come in, they say, oh, this is what Jesus is like. And, you know, he was... He just, there was, there was, when Jesus was around, people's lives were changed. People were set, Isaiah 61, captives were set free. Prison doors were open. So I think we need to restore the presence and the power of God and encounter back into the church. So when people come, something happens, and they're going to come back the next week because they want more of God in their lives. If they keep coming to church and nothing really happens, they just get a good sermon, they get a song set and a message, and they go home, and they're not changed. Nothing happens. There's no encounter. Why would they come back? They can get better. We were talking about this at the morning tea. They can get better entertainment out there. So I think we've got a real challenge for the glory of God to fill the temple. God has got to come back into his house. So when people walk in, they say, God is in the house. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. I think to me that is the biggest challenge to restore the, the manifest reality of God in the church and for individual life. Because when God is real, and that's what we need for the next generation, that is what gonna, what's going to hold them. It cannot be the faith of the parents. It cannot be the faith of the church. It's got to be personal faith. God has to be real. A real faith, a real presence, a real power, real answers to prayer, real, real God. I think, to me, that's one of the biggest challenges in the church. And, I, yeah, and I mean, there are so many other challenges. I think the church is, the Western church is sound asleep. And it just needs a massive wake-up call to, to arise and do, you know, New Zealand, for example, is just going to hell. Thousands turn away from Christ every week now in New Zealand. And the church is just yawning away. You know, you get struggle to get people to prayer meetings and all the rest of it. So we, we, the church needs to really have a, a wake-up call because it has become lukewarm. Sorry to say that. And a lukewarm church is not going to change anything. We've got to get the fire. Not your church, obviously. Plenty of passion and fire. If, we, if every church was reflected like your church here, we'd, we'd start making massive changes. So I think there needs to be an awakening. And my greatest passion is, of course, to see revival. Yeah, which kind of leads us into our last question. Uh, musicians can come. Um, if you could do something for God yeah. and you knew it was the will of God and you knew you wouldn't fail, 
uh, what would you do? What would you yeah, do? Yeah, look, I think it's, it's what I've pursued for the last 20 odd years. I'd like to be an instrument that God can use to bring revival to the church, mm. revival Powerful. Powerful. to the nation that brings absolute transformation, first of, of, the, of individuals in the church, absolute transformation of the church that then spreads out to, into the community. The community is changed. The nation gets impacted with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we see New Zealand turn to Jesus. We see Australia turn to Jesus. The church becomes the head and no longer the tail. The church becomes a voice in the nation and has a massive influence for God. That's my dream. If God would use me as an instrument in a genuine Holy Ghost revival and power that's happened in history, another Pentecost, signs and wonders and mighty deeds. That's what I pray for on a daily. This is what you know. I'm talking about this time I spend praying. That's what I spend my time praying for. I spend my time praying mostly for two things. I, I live in the pursuit of God. I just pursue God with everything that I've got. I cry out for God. I say, God, I want a relationship with you that is so close, so intimate, so holy, so powerful, so supernatural, so amazing that will totally blow my mind. I want a relationship with you like Adam and Eve had in the Garden of Eden before the fall. I want a relationship with you, Jesus, like you had as a God-man upon the planet where wherever you went, there was a presence, the power, and the glory of God. That's what I spend my life, friends, seeking. I'm pursuing that with every ounce of strength I get because I I think if I can get that, that's my safeguard. And then on top of that, God, once I've got that, give me the revival because then I'll know how to carry it. And I'll know how to walk in it humbly before my God because at no point at any time can my life name be lifted up because it's not about me. It's, it's, it's about someone else. It's only ever been one superstar. It's not Tark Barna. It's not Joe. It's not Lena. It's Danny. His name is Jesus Christ. And we got to exalt him. And when God used me, if he uses me in a revival, my main goal will be, it's not about me, it's to give all glory to the one and only Lord and Saviour, the one man who went to the cross for you and me, and his name is Jesus. God, please use me in a mighty revival. Amen. Come on, give him a hand. Let's all stand together. Thank you. Love you so much. Love you so much. Amen. Amen. It's going to bring conference to a to a close, and uh, Luke's going to lead us in a song, and then I want to pray for the pastors uh, as we uh, as we finish off. So let's just worship the Lord, and then uh, and then we're going to be, be praying for the lead pastors here today. Thank you. Go.